Hello and welcome to an ECFR podcast. My name is Katrina Bertel and today we will be speaking to the director of our Middle East and North Africa program, Daniel Levy, about the new Israeli government and what to expect from it. It is the fourth time Netanyahu is re-elected and it seems that this time he will face immense political challenges. Just the other day, the Defence Minister Moshe Yalon approved a pilot scheme that would have seen some Palestinian workers banned from using Israeli buses in the occupied West Bank. There was an outcry from the Israeli political spectrum who condemned the move as racist. Now this scheme has been dropped. However, do you believe, Daniel, that issues like these will be on Netanyahu's daily agenda in his new term? The particular proposal on buses and use for Palestinians in the occupied territories versus use for settlers has apparently been shelved for the time being. It may be reintroduced, it may be reconsidered. It, at the end of the day, it is just one feature of an overall policy in which, despite the outcry over this bus segregation plan, that is the reality in the territories. Every day, whether it's on freedom of movement, whether it's on access to resources, <clears throat> whether it's on use of roads, there's an entire apartheid road system in place for settlers versus the indigenous Palestinian population um, in the occupied territories. And I think this is indicative of when things are a little too in your face, a little too visible, draw potentially a little too much attention, uh, then there is um, a slight embarrassment. The bar for embarrassment uh, is, uh, is hit on the Israeli side and there's a reconsideration. Unfortunately, the bar for embarrassment is quite high. And most of the domestic criticism was about how this makes Israel look on the outside, not on the merits of the ongoing policy of dispossessing um, Palestinians in ways that are very sad and very shameful um, for, for anyone who takes an interest in this issue. Uh, what it also suggests is that the, the greater the effort by the hard right and the settler community to push their agenda inside the government in ways that have always been done effectively, but while trying to maintain an appearance of this not being out-and-out -out racism and apartheid. The more the overt racism is visible, the more problems this will, will have in store. And so, yes, I think the government that Prime Minister Netanyahu has put together will see on a number of occasions this kind of visible ugliness floating to the surface in ways that people have tried to gloss over um, in the past. And that will be a frequent, perhaps not daily, but frequent management problem for Prime Minister Netanyahu um, with his new government. The proposal has been scrapped by Netanyahu And this has coincided with the visit of Sepp Blatter and preceded the visit of EU foreign policy chief Federica Mogherini. Was that a coincidence or was that a tactical move? Well, I think that what it points to is the 
susceptibility of Israel to external pressure. The fact is that the success of the occupation project, of the settlement project, of the denial of basic rights and freedoms to Palestinians, which is ongoing, the success of that project is predicated on Israel being able to get away with it, on there not being pressure from the outside, there not being real consequences. As long as the world just complains and as long as it's just rhetoric and words on paper and hot air, then that's fine. That can be ignored by Israel as it is ignored in any other human rights violating state. Um, <clears throat> Israel is deeply plugged into the global economy. Uh, Israelis, as many others do, like to travel, get visa-free travel to Europe. The Israeli economy's largest trade partner is Europe. So as long as there is impunity for Israeli actions, those actions will continue. Right now, there is a certain nervousness that Europe might take a little more of a forward-leaning approach when it comes to at least adhering to its own law in saying, you know what, we can't deal with what goes on beyond the green line as if this were Israel, because it's not. You haven't annexed it, you haven't given the Palestinians rights, etc., Israel also feels it has a certain vulnerability with something like a FIFA. So the Palestinians have approached FIFA. Uh, I don't know how effective a case they have made uh, as to Israel kind of making it impossible for the Palestinian Football Federation to function because of the restrictions placed on, on Palestinians, etc. And Israeli expulsion from FIFA would be a really big deal. I, I don't see it happening, but what it shows is that if Israeli behavior is put under more of a spotlight with possible practical consequences, then some of that behavior and some of those policies um, may have to be reconsidered, recalibrated, and may actually become a, a much more burning domestic issue and more unpopular. But... Um, I imagine that the Blatter visit and the FIFA vote will come and go and the Mogherini visit will come and go and the Israeli policies that will enter their 50th year in 2017 uh, of occupation will simply continue unless the, uh, uh, the consequence side of the ledger becomes to look more significant. Would you say that Netanyahu is caught between the Israeli right and the international community? Well, not really, because Netanyahu is of the Israeli right, and um, this is a coalition of the Israeli right, and Netanyahu won this election by cannibalizing votes from other right-wing parties. Israel has a, a, a multi-party proportional representation system, um, so there were a number of parties competing for the hard vote, the hard right-wing vote. Uh, Netanyahu's was just one of them, but but because Netanyahu's last-minute appeal to the right-wing voters was so credible, uh, when he disavowed two states, when he attended a settler rally, when he um, spoke in a very racist way about his own Palestinian Arab citizens uh, impacting the democratic process, which is, of course, their right to do by uh, turning up at the polling booths in hordes, all of these dog whistle messages to the right wing 
um, sounded credible because Netanyahu is a man of the right. What Netanyahu is caught between, therefore, is his own right-wing policies and those of his party and his coalition allies and the need to do just enough to fend off what I was describing before, to fend off practical, consequential international action. And the, the sad truth in many respects is that that's not such a difficult balancing act to pull off because the international community is very reticent to apply to Israel the kinds of practical consequences uh, that you might see applied in other circumstances when, uh, when you have such violations of international law. Of course, Israel isn't the only violator and, and um, nothing characterizes international politics more than hypocrisy, so one shouldn't be too surprised. But uh, this balancing act has not been such a challenge for Israel. I think the concern for Netanyahu is that there is a, a, a kind of new right wing in Israel. It doesn't differ in its goals. Netanyahu has always believed in settlement, in, uh, in not creating a space for Palestinians to really realize their rights, um, and for a, a system of limited democracy inside Israel. But there is a, a new right wing which wants to wear these policies that are overtly discriminatory as a badge of pride, rather than to try and hide them in laundered language that sounds democratic and sounds pro-peace. And the more that this more assertive right wing that openly believes in annexation, openly believes in discrimination, wants to place a Jewish state above a democratic state, Jewish law above universal principles, the more that that, what I'm calling new right, asserts itself, the more that international balancing act will become precarious. And I think Netanyahu's argument is, shut up. We've been successfully settling and denying the Palestinians their rights for as long as we've been here. The way we do it is by not shouting about it. We say we want peace and then we do the opposite. If you guys say you don't want peace, it makes it more difficult. So shut up. And the new right is saying, no, we're not going to shut up. We want the world to know. This is about Jewish rights and we don't care about anyone else. That's his difficulty. Do you think he's more vulnerable to revolt from within his own party than to any outside assault? Well, it's an interesting question because what has happened is that Prime Minister Netanyahu, in Israeli terms, won a somewhat convincing election victory. Now, he's still got only a quarter of the seats in Parliament, which means he only got a quarter of the, the votes because it's a pure proportional system, uh, a quarter of the votes cast. But that made his the largest party by a significant enough margin. And it looked like he would have quite a generous choice of coalitions that he could put together. In practice, you know, what has happened to Netanyahu is that he has become increasingly unpopular amongst the political class and amongst that very small elite of other party leaders who were really quite keen to see the back of him. And so he ended up winning an election and then literally stumbling in the 90th minute across the finishing line of forming a coalition. He formed his coalition almost at one minute to midnight. There is an expiration date in Israeli law. And at, after 11 p.m. on the last of the 42 days that he had, 
he could finally go to the president and say, I have a coalition. And that coalition has a wafer-thin majority of 61, which means that he is essentially subject to intense pressure from members of his own party. That can be on an ideological basis. Could it also be on a personal basis? The number two in the Likud list has stayed out of the government, a chap called Gilad Erdan, because he didn't like what he was being offered in terms of ministerial posts. So it can come from within his party. It can come from one of the coalition partners. It can be ideological. It can be personal. But it's also worth remembering that a, a coalition of 61 that is quite, not entirely, but quite ideologically coherent can hold together. There can be a discipline that comes with having such a slim majority. So I think Netanyahu wants to broaden his coalition. I think it is going to be a very difficult coalition to manage. But I think it's still premature to say that there is an inevitability to this coalition collapsing. I think Netanyahu's biggest problem is probably that within the political class, he's been around so long, he's made a number of enemies. And there may be just too many people who want to see the back of him. Um, and again, not really on ideological terms. Do you think that this government will last the at least two and a half years allotted to it under the election law? Well, there's no minimum. For Netanyahu, he wants to become the longest serving ever Israeli prime minister, I'm sure. Uh, which would be a dramatic achievement given the longevity of Israel's first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion. Uh, and I think he needs about four years uh, to achieve that. He will undoubtedly do everything to avoid a new election. He has held on to the foreign ministry. He has not appointed a foreign minister in order to dangle this in front of the uh, opposition leader, the head of the Labour Party, Mr Herzog to try and tease his party potentially into the government. He hasn't formally offered it to them. So he has some manoeuvre room in terms of alternative coalitions. And I think what one also needs to acknowledge is he has a rather weak opposition, which in a situation that otherwise will make his life a misery, will make his life a little, political life, of course, a little easier. Um, the opposition often sound like they are already acting as the foreign ministry to this government. Um, their criticism is often mute. The alternative they present is um, often rather intangible. And the opposition is divided. A small part of the opposition, uh, the party of former foreign minister Avigdor Lieberman, chose not to join the coalition um, and comes from the right, even further to the right on some issues. That will be a problem for Netanyahu. Uh, if he is challenged from the right and if members of his own party and members of the Jewish Home Party, which is um, the most pronouncedly pro-settler, feel that, that the government isn't doing enough even to share their agenda. So there are a number of potential problems. Personal I've spoken about. There are divisions within his coalition on issues like the ultra-Orthodox versus the modern Orthodox. It's, it's complicated, but it's a dividing line. There are issues on a party that is more secular versus the ultra-Orthodox that are within the government. There is the balancing act of how far to go 
in poking the international community in the eye. All of these will need to be managed by Netanyahu and that will not be difficult, especially, and I think this is a, a point that, that it's worth acknowledging, especially against the backdrop of two things. First of all, there will be a concerted effort by parts of this coalition, especially by this Jewish Home Party, to bring the more overtly discriminatory practices of the occupied territories inside Israel proper. Israel functions as a democracy. It is not a full democracy for its non-Jewish Palestinian Arab citizens. But it is nowhere near um, as much of a non-democracy as is the reality for Palestinians beyond the Green Line. There is a party committed to making Israel more of an ethnocracy. They have taken the justice portfolio. They have taken the education portfolio. They will try and clamp down on domestic dissent, on NGOs. They will try and legislate for greater accord being given to Israel as a Jewish state. They will try and weaken the powers of the judiciary. Netanyahu himself is committed to weakening the independence of the media, it would seem. These kinds of internal issues will undoubtedly float to the surface on the international agenda. These will occasionally be picked up by Western media and these could cause him a problem in his politics. And the other, of course, is the region, the Palestinian issue, his management of the Iran issue. These issues should be manageable for Netanyahu unless you see a more sustained and strategic Palestinian approach to calling out uh, Israeli policies and practices. If that happens, such as this initiative at FIFA, then again, you may see um, the wheels on this coalition coming unstuck as people begin not just to complain about the rhetoric used by the international community, but to actually face the practical impact of of Israel finding itself losing some of the uh, benefits it currently has in its relations with the world. You can find a commentary on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and more information on events in the Middle East and North Africa on our website at ecfr.eu slash mena.